Welcome into the Esports Network podcast. We talk about esports and anything really gaming related. That's, of course, related to the streaming side of things, the platforms that people are on and the influence, the influencers on them, excuse me. And so here to help me talk about kind of the recent trends happening in regards to some hate raids and some some really kind of deep subjects, if you will. Let's welcome in Anita K. Sharma. She's, of course, the founder of Sharma Law, uh, attorney, lawyer, managing partner, whatever you want to call her. She's all those things and more. You're an entertainment attorney, though. 20 years of experience across the board from film, uh, uh, television. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming television, too, right? I mean, they, yeah, they kind of yeah. go hand in hand. I don't do I don't do a lot of music, but film and TV and digital and gaming. Exactly. So this is your second time on the show. So we don't really have to go too much into the introductions, but I want to thank you for taking time out of your day again to come on the show again with us. So I appreciate you. Sure. Well, thank you for having me, Kevin. I'm excited to be here. So uh, let's get to some of the back end of, of, the, of this topic at hand, if you will. Right. So we're bringing you back on because you have a different kind of perspective on these Twitch TV hate raids against, you know, black and indigenous people of color, people of different sexual orientations and genders. It's, it's a lot of... Uh, people being attacked basically for for who they are on a platform where they shouldn't have to feel that way right so it's it's pretty much been the platform of choice has been twitch for these hate raiders right they create multiple upon multiple uh, of accounts bots to target harass people i mean when did you first become aware of this and was it something that like a colleague had mentioned or did you happen to see the news of it coming up like when when did you realize like this is becoming a bigger issue for me and my clients yeah so i mean sadly it's been an issue for years so you know trolls whether you want to call them hate raiders or whatever they're all trolls mm -hmm. so it's been an issue for my clients um a hundred percent i mean i have one client who is like twitch in the middle of litigation right now trying to discover the identities of people that have essentially destroyed their business mm -hmm and their ability to do brand deals, et cetera. You know, with Twitch, uh, there's been a lot of talk about this for a while, for a long time before, you know, the Twitch streamers or protests happened in August. And, you know, I get news alerts. I'm, you know, read up on all the literature, et cetera, and, and the news. And and so it's it came as no surprise to me because I've been following this for some time. And we have a very diverse roster. And whether they're influencers or gamers, you know, our, our roster is diverse. So like, I am interested in this. I am following it and I've known about these issues for a while. Okay. So, and so, I mean, so you say so your clients have kind of been dealing with this, this as well for, this is not just, this is not a new thing. Like you said, it's trolls. It's been a thing for, for years on the internet. I mean, what do you tell clients? Like what kind of, what are the discussion points you guys go through when these issues come up? Is it like, well, you just kind of have to like, kind of let it right off your back, you know, set up some muting tools or something, or kind of, you got to ignore them some way, somehow. What exactly do you and your clients, not exactly, but what do you talk about in general when it comes to the issues of trolls and hate raiders? So uh, the first uh, piece of advice is always do not engage. Mm -hmm. Uh, do not engage because that's what these people want. Uh, they want you to get upset. They want to pick a fight. They're anonymous. They're, you know, have nothing better to do. So the first answer is the first piece of advice, sorry, is not to engage. The second piece of advice is obviously to report it, report mm -hmm. it to the platform, make sure whether they can do something about it or not, that there's some type of record there that you are being harassed in some way. And, you know, the, there is this ability to create, uh, community guidelines, for example, on YouTube, where 
if within your own guidelines, you are saying that you do not accept hate speech, etc, you can delete comments, you know, you can delete comments anytime regardless, but at least you can point that, you know, point people to that if you are deleting comments and people are saying oh you're deleting stuff you can say well within our community guidelines this this does not fit um it's tough though i mean it's a really tough situation to be in if you have trolls after you litigation is is an option as well right you can start a lawsuit the be- one of the benefits of a lawsuit is it gives you tools to identify who that mm-hmm. person is because essentially you can file a lawsuit against a John or Jane Doe. So not against an anonymous person. What that gives you is subpoena rights. For instance, you can subpoena the phone companies, Verizon, whoever the internet providers, and you can get ISP addresses. You know, of course this is costly and timely. Um, you know, I mentioned to you, I think before we started the podcast, I have a client involved in litigation Mm -hmm. and that, you know, because their business was destroyed Mm. by trolls. And so for them, it was worth it to try to seek out uh, these people and stop them. So sometimes it gets so extreme, unfortunately, that it reaches that level. But, you know, it's really it's it's tough. It's tough to deal with. Um, you know, you like I said, there's a few options, um, but I think the key is not to engage. Right. And so, I mean, to get to the point where it affects your livelihood, it's it's pretty much like you have no recourse. You have to go that legal route. And so mm-hmm. I completely understand why your client had to go through that as well. It's just, it's, it's it's a big thing. And so we see content creators kind of taking matters into their own hands, whether it's um, through legal matters or through yeah. through boycotting. You know, the day off Twitch hashtag was trending two weeks ago and Twitch saw a massive drop of think of like 800,000 people uh, dropped off the platform for that day, causing it was the like, biggest dip of the year. I mean, does this just kind of show you that there's other ways that creators can kind of levy that leverage when it comes to creating change on these platforms? Is that kind of just a different way of doing it besides the legal route? Yeah, absolutely. And we saw that that was effective. And also, you know, that gets press, right? That gets press and that puts even more pressure on a platform like Twitch to act. I still don't think they've done enough, but they seem to be making an effort to do so. The other thing that's really interesting is, you know, I recently read an article in Verge that was from August and talking about what creators have done to take things into their own hands. Some of them have created what's called a panic button. You know, it causes like a multitude of actions to be initiated once they see that they're getting like attacked by a hate raider. That's really interesting. But even more interesting is that other creators have actually created websites saying, Here, here's how you can create a, a panic button. Here's how you, you know, here's some advice to help with this. And I think that's amazing. I think, you know, content creators, gamers, influencers, like helping each other and, and forming a community is just incredibly helpful and, and providing resources um, that unfortunately Twitch is just not providing right now. Mm, no, for sure. And it's just, it's easier to band together with other common minded people than it is to kind of ask somebody above you to, to, to really step in because it's, just, it's, it's hard to be heard amongst the sea of, of other voices and opinions. Right. So. Right. It, but I also mm-hmm. think it's important for other creators um you know, influencers, gamers to who are not part of those communities that are consistently being attacked and targeted to speak to it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very important to, it's not just about, you know, the BIPOC community, the LGBTQ community, um, you know, these marginalized communities having to do all of the work. We all collectively have to do it And, and other creators and, and, you know, people on the internet, the gamers, et cetera, need to 
need to band together. Everybody needs to. No, for sure. And that, I mean, that just goes beyond uh, streaming platforms. It goes into well into life, uh, life lessons and, and, and life choices we have coming up in terms of government and politics. But I exactly. mean, you've been in, in the digital space for, for quite a while now. And yeah. so from your experience, how effective has been, you know, creating these digital boycotts, these viral moments where, you know, it's ignited for, for a week or two and, and the news are just covering it like crazy. The media is covering it like crazy. I mean, I know people will often say like, oh, it's, it's a mob mentality kind of issue to enact change. But this seems to be on a, on a different level from just like a classic, you know, oh, it's, it's a mob mentality. This is like it's a community coming together, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't even know where people are. I mean, I I think that's maybe how Fox News would report yeah. it. <laughs> um, you know, these are very respectful protests. Nobody is, you know, attacking the Capitol and breaking in, etc. I mean, it's this is not, you know, these are people who are banding together and protesting in a very peaceful way. Um, that is significant and that is necessary. And, you know, this whole idea of a mom mentality is just ridiculous. I mean, you know, recently there was the same thing with TikTok and, you know, black creators who create these dances and them also doing the same thing. And that really raised a ton of attention to the point where somebody like Jimmy Fallon has to apologize. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that can only help. And, you know, the news cycle is, you know, 24 hours and before you know it, it's gone. But I, I also think there is, there are actions that result that are better than having nothing done, but can also have a lasting effect. No. And for sure. I, I completely agree. It's just, you see these, these creators kind of taking matters into their own hand. And I can, I can think of right now, currently, if you're into the gaming space, still the biggest news has been Activision blizzards, kind of their employees taking mm-hmm. control of things. Yeah. And this is kind of the, a similar analogy, right? You replace the creators with employees of a company and, you know, they're walking out, they're trying to enact change in that kind of way. And this is just happening across a digital space uh, under a platform instead of, you know, in an office somewhere. So this yeah, is something exactly. it's, it's, it's more the same thing that is, we've heard this, the same tale told before and people just, this is how people enact change. Right. So, but, but and also, mm-hmm. I mean, they're doing it because they're not seeing the change that they want to exactly. see mm-hmm. from the platform. Right. So these kind of actions are, um, out of desperation. I mean, it's not for fun. I mean, nobody has fun not posting content and doing what they're do- supposed to do every day or what they love to do every day. So I think that's important to to realize also. No, for sure. And and for these companies, they kind of have to realize too that once their their bottom dollar starts to hurt, exactly change has to be has to be made in the way that the people demanding it have to you know want it to be made. So Twitch's bottom dollar gets hurt. They react. Uh, I think the first response they had was sending us a bunch of emails highlighting that you know the onus is on you the streamers the creators to kind of control it instead of us so they, they highlighted you know moderation tools and uh, muting people and blocking people you know reporting them yeah. they're more of, it was more of putting speed bumps along the way of these trolls and hate raiders instead of tackling the real problem i mean w- do you think this first attempt of them kind of responding to this was kind of at, at, at best a little tone deaf at worst is kind of negligible Yes, to all of the above. So absolutely. Uh, Tone deaf, negligible. We are talking about a company that makes hundreds of millions of dollars. And you're trying to tell me that they do not have the technical capabilities to deal with this. I understand it's difficult. I don't think anybody denies that it's difficult. But you have the resources. Twitch as a platform has the resources and they need to they need to spend some money. 
is the bottom line. They need to spend some money, not only on the technical side, but also supporting creators from marginalized communities. You know, they have to really step up and say, instead of playing defense, play offense, Mm -hmm. you know, control the narrative, talk about this, talk about what's happening, provide resources to creators who need it to help them, you know, elevate them, say, you know, you think you're going to like, you know, kick them when they're down or you think you're going to scare them into not wanting to stream, but, you know, preventing that from happening and elevating those creators and spotlighting them and giving them certain advantages. That's also really important. That speaks very, very loudly. No, I mean, it's, it's just, it seems like this response is more reactive than proactive, right? Yeah. I mean, I tell my clients all the time in general, you never want to play defense. You always want to play offense. And Defense is no fun, you know, and that's what they seem to do, be doing at that time instead. I mean, look, the bottom line is like, I don't know who works at Twitch. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many people of color or, you know, LGBTQ people even work there. Who knows? But usually that's where it starts. It starts by employing the people who are actually affected by this and asking them how to make change. I mean, it's it's not always like the best person's resume who who gets the job done. It's a person with a diverse ba- with diverse backgrounds. You keep, you bring a team together with different backgrounds, and yeah. you get different perspectives on things, and that's how you enact bigger change within the company. But I mean, this response I was just, I, I thought was flat out. You know, just it's dull. It wasn't anything like you said. I I always want the ball first. If, if I'm playing football, I want yeah. the ball first. I want to have that first chance of scoring something or, or anything like that. And this is this was their attempt to, to score first, and they they punted it it was it was uh, a very lackluster first response so right. but also they're owned by amazon like yeah. where's amazon in all of this exactly <laughs> you know obviously they're going to distance themselves they've got their own issues with how they treat workers etc but like you know they're going to distance themselves but ultimately like they are the you know owner of this company and there has to be some responsibility from them too but if anything there is a insane amount of resources in terms of money to deal with this problem. Exactly. They, they have the assets, they have the resources, the reason and they have the talent, they exactly. have the people, programmers, etc. They can they can definitely solve this problem. And so it, the fact that it took them what a month and a half, two months to really really respond to this after it's been years of happening, it's 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 a lot more than just uh failure to listen. It's a lot more than that. I think I think the second response is obviously listening to the backlash more than anything else. The second response. Yeah, I mean, the lawsuit, I will say, mm-hmm. I do think the lawsuit is helpful. Yes. And I do think it will have a chilling effect to some degree because people are going to be like, oh, like, wait a second. Like, they can find me. Yes. Right? And hopefully that will have some kind of chilling <clears throat> effect. But it's like it's like you mentioned earlier, right? Once you bring it into the legal space, you have that subpoena power. You can you can you know ask the the IP providers, uh, you can ask the uh, inter providers, the 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 phone uh, companies, anybody who kind of give you information on these un- quote unquote anonymous people, and yeah. then you know bring them into the spotlight. And so there was these two out of Europe, I believe that they mm-hmm. highlighted. And we're not going to name them here, but they created thousands of bot accounts and tackled you know the streams of these creators for months, weeks on end, and so. They're they're being sued for breach of contract, unfair competition, and violation of the Anti Cyber Squatting Consumer Protection Act. So, and, and trade for, trademark infringement. I mean, obviously, this is the kind of help we're hoping. But yeah, is it is it been like it, it took too long to get to this step? Right? Is that what it is? I mean, yes. 
you know, absolutely. Because as I said, before this became an issue in the news and the press started to talk about it in the media, I knew about it. You know, you Mm -hmm. probably knew about it. Other creators knew, like everyone knew that this was happening and the platform definitely knew. So I do think, you know, the protests and all of that stuff has helped um, to speed things up, but it was, it was way too long in coming. No, for and again, sure. it's just platforms need to be proactive, not reactive. And it goes back to the same story. You just kind of have to, you, you have to protect the people who are helping you bring in revenue, bring in profit, which brings me to my next question, right? I mean, Twitch for a lot of people on the outside looking in, why does Twitch have an obligation to go above and beyond in protecting their streamers, their content creators? Like, besides just a monetary standpoint, what's the, the biggest obligation Twitch has to go above and beyond protecting these people? I mean, they are the platform. Mm. <laughs> That's just as simple as that. I mean, if you take the streamers off of Twitch, what do you have? you have some technology and that's about it. I mean, there is a human element. There is a reason that digital content on these platforms is so popular. And Mm -hmm. it's because of this human element and this authenticity and people falling in love with these streamers and, you know, wanting to emulate them and wanting to watch them and, you know, and just really admiring them and, or maybe even hating them. Who knows? I mean, the point is there's a very human element there. And so as human beings, we need to sort of look around and say, you know, what kind of world do we want to live in? What kind of atmosphere do we want to create for people and communities and people that are vulnerable? You know, we have, you know, we as a society need to step up and protect them. And why shouldn't that apply to platforms? No, you're right. I mean, nobody goes to Twitch TV and then goes to their about page and just reads that all day long. It's, 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 it's the entertainers. It's the people that kind of bring in and attract the, 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 the advertising money, if you will. So that's kind of what you have to protect. And I mean, it's not just Twitch. It's, it's, you know, it's YouTube, it's, it's discord, it's, you know, it's all these other platforms that people have been using to kind of, uh, launch their 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 trolling or launch their hate raids from, and so the same goes for them as well. You know, YouTube has has a lot more, um, I guess you could call uh, in the comments section kind of action than you will on Twitch, but it's it's the same story, right? This is not just a a Twitch isolated problem. This is a a digital media kind of widespread problem. Yeah, absolutely, and it's because of the anonymity of the internet and technology that allows for creating all these bots and etc. That is just the perfect breeding ground for hate like sadly i mean it it also obviously the internet produces a lot of fantastic stuff too but you know that's the dark side of it i mean so from a from a lawyer's standpoint right you see these companies not doing anything at all i mean is there really uh i guess a legal uh point where you could kind of go at these companies as well as going after these these trolls or is it just pretty much just like a well you kind of have to play it by ear kind of situation right so going after the companies versus going after trolls are two different things right so going after trolls it is possible and again as i said before even if they're anonymous it's possible even if you don't know their identity Going after the companies is is almost impossible Mm. because of the terms and conditions of, you know, that you accept when you use these platforms, right? And they obviously draft those in a certain way to protect themselves. And, you know, it's not like you can negotiate those, like you just accept them or you don't. And so that makes it very difficult to, um, to go after the companies themselves. I mean, you know, there was cases where, you know, people have been, I recently wrote an article 
about people being removed from Twitch and banned from Twitch and suing the platform. And, you know, there's, it's difficult. Mm. I mean, it's possible to do it, but it's difficult. I mean, it reminds me of, was it Phantom Lord or something? He ended up taking Twitch to court, but he walked away with like a, minuscule settlement exactly. deal or something like that it was really not worth i'm sure not worth the, the money and I mean, legal got fees suit as well so yeah something else to consider <laughs> just say oh we were in the wrong they were like wait a second you have you had all these violations and we're gonna sue you also like so it was that was a mess right so it was it was it was it's difficult to go after these platforms and so i mean i remember the story of, of dr disrespect a few weeks ago saying that he was going after twitch as well exactly. and so i'm not sure where that's going at but we'll i'm sure we'll update people on yeah, once. Well, he, it hasn't gone anywhere yet and that's exactly. what i've been an article about so it's like yeah it's it's very difficult and again like what we were saying before it's mm-hmm. like these companies have such deep pockets i mean the last thing you want to do is is sue somebody that has like an unlimited amount of money to spend on attorneys. It's, 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 tr- I mean, what's the phrase I heard? It's like the, co- there's the company and there's the company of lawyers behind that company. So it's, it's the whole entire kind of, you're going up against two, two companies, if you, if you will. So it's, it's very difficult to kind of go after these bigger, bigger dogs, if you will. So I mentioned earlier, these other platforms also have been kind of, breeding ground for trolls you got youtube i know the discord and steam have been kind of another one that uh, they've been organizing hate raids from mm-hmm. i mean how how much further do we have to ask these companies to step it up as well right we don't see boycotts on twitch we don't see boycotts on discord or steam there's got to be something else that they can do as well besides just you know putting all the onus on twitch to, to be to be the fall guy it's got to be somebody else uh, involved as well making change and acting change right Right. Well, it was, you know, like I was saying, it's elevating voices. It's providing programs and resources to people who are vulnerable, to people who are disadvantaged and marginalized and and allowing them to create content and saying like, hey, what you have to say is important and we want to hear it and we're going to help you because you might not have access to tools that, that other creators have access to. So it's creating programs. It's allowing people to create content that is diverse so their voices are heard. And that's something that I think is really important for platforms to do. YouTube does some of it mm-hmm. to give them some credit. Um, but you know, it's it's that's really important. And again, that's like a proactive thing. Mm-hmm. That's a saying, you know, we want to hear your voice, we respect your voice, we know it's harder for you to create content than other creators, so we're gonna help you. And also just addressing these issues, allowing forums for creators to discuss them, allowing access to people at the platforms to hear them out, to hear, you know, what the what the concerns are, how how this affects them. Instead of putting up a wall where it's like you can't get a hold of anyone at these platforms, an actual human being who you can speak to. I mean, I think that's really important, too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I see a lot of overlap between, you know, digital harassment and, and real world harassment, if you will. Right. But for, for sure. But being it's, it's it's a lot harder to get digital harassment kind of uh, punished or, or or really looked at before you get, you know, physical harassment, which is it. I mean, from your perspective, right, is, is there a lot of overlap yourself when you see like, oh, well, in the real world, this is what happens. But, you know, in in the digital world, it's a little bit of a different story. I mean, I think in the digital world, it's even worse because people are faceless and nameless. Mm. So I think it's far worse in the digital world. And I think, you know, for some time, people have spoken about mental health issues of creators uh, on social media and creators taking a break and and just, you know, from all the hate. And, it, you know, the, I was recently reading about people losing at the U.S. Open and mm. these players receiving so much hate that they were just like, I can't, you know, even deal. So... 
you know, it's a problem. And again, that's something that we as a society need to collectively address and, and talk about. And, you know, the media needs to shine more of a spotlight on, and they are to give them some credit. I think that, um, I think you're hearing more about, you know, this hate and what we can do about it. For sure. I mean, I guess I would be part of that media and I've been reporting on this story for, for two or three weeks exactly. at this point. So it's, it's, it's been, it's been kind of a, a little bit more spotlight shown on it and hopefully it continues that way. So, I mean, one last time legal measures that these content creators can look to utilize, right? So it's, it's pretty much just, um, go through the courts, subpoena your, your, your internet providers for information, uh, phone companies for information. What else can, uh, can these creators do if they're being digitally harassed? I mean, you can obviously report it to the platform and try to get them to help. I mean, that's difficult, but it's possible and it's a possibility. And it's also just, you know, speaking about it, making it public, having your friends, other creators speaking about it. And, you know, but otherwise it is difficult. Like, I'm not going to lie and say, like, digital harassment is a very, very difficult thing to deal with. And until the platforms help creators with tools it is, it's, it's going to be difficult. Like I'll admit, cause I've seen it, you know, with my clients. Hmm. It's, it's a long road from here, isn't it? So we'll, we'll hopefully, hopefully we'll enact a change that needs to be seen. And, you know, we can actually help uh, clients like yours to actually move forward and kind of be successful in, in, in this space. So Anita, I can't thank you enough for coming back on the show. I know this is kind of a, a deep topic, not as, not as much a levity, not, not as much, uh, you know, quick wittiness it's here. An important one. It's an important one. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm more than happy to have you on the show again, just to talk about anything from Dr. Disrespect's latest, you know, frivolous lawsuit to, sure. <laughs> to the next big deep topic coming up on the, on the rise. And so, uh, Anita, uh, people can follow you on LinkedIn, I believe. Leave. If you want yeah. to catch the, the firm that she works at, that she manages, actually, sharmalawplc.com. Right there, you can kind of catch that. And, um, of course, uh, Anita, again, thank you for coming to the show. I appreciate it so much. Thank you, Kevin. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. She's Anita Sharma, founder of Sharma Law. And I'm Kevin Cray right here on the Esports Network Podcast.